Welcome to Can I Kick It? This is a podcast about film festivals. My name is Jesse Weber, and I'm joined by... Andy Germuga. Number one, Big Gunther Stan, Colin Adler. Emilio Diaz. All right. Today, we're talking about the last three films, including the new release, Undine from uh in theaters german director today, i believe as it's been that's correct uh christian petzold and to talk about those three movies which are undine as well as uh 2018's transit and 2014's phoenix we are joined by my best friend daniel foster hello hello Woo. happy to be here welcome back thanks thank you yeah, we're uh, mm-hmm. we're we're dipping into the uh, the Mankmas well the, these last couple yeah. weeks, and it's uh, it's good times to have have our have our Mankmas friends back. It's coming uh-huh. back. Um, okay, so yeah, we're talking about these three movies and Petzold in particular. Uh, Daniel, we came to you for this episode because you won't shut up about the guy. Uh, when did you first uh, come across his work, and what drew you to it initially? Uh, I first came across it in 2019 when I saw this movie I had never heard of called Phoenix being put on a lot of best of the decade lists. And I was like, what's this? And so I watched it and I was like, wow, that was really great. And then I saw that he just came out with another movie called Transit. And I was like, I guess I'll watch that. And then I didn't know what the premise of it uh, was going in. Mm -hmm. And, uh, for a good hour, I felt like I was losing my mind. It was the most confusing experience I've ever had watching a movie because the letterbox synopsis says Nazi-occupied France, and I had just seen Phoenix, and so I thought, this is a normal period piece. But then you see a car going by, and I was like, that's not that's not an old car, but maybe I don't know anything about cars. And then, uh, and then the clothes they're looking look... They, like they could be old but then there's a flat screen tv on the wall but then they're all using rotary phones and typewriters and i couldn't i had no idea what it was and so it's one of the most memorable experiences i've ever had watching a movie just because i was so disoriented and didn't know what i was looking at but then the third act of it comes along and completely knocks me uh, away and <laughs> I immediately watched it the next day knowing what it was and it's one of my favorite movies now so obviously that rewatch went well um yeah and so right then and there I immediately fell in love with him as uh as a uh connoisseur of uh holocaust or holocaust adjacent movies I was the way he approaches that subject is incredibly interesting in how how much he dives into the psychological complexity of those things without ever being manipulative about it or milking the images from it for uh, easy emotions. And yeah, we'll we'll talk about what makes him great. But yeah, that, that was when I discovered him. Sure. Have you done like a deep dive into his earlier stuff also? Earlier going back to 2007, I think. I've seen Yella, mm-hmm. I've seen... Uh, Jericho, I've seen Barbara. Those are the other three I've seen. 
but not that weird like TV movie he did in 2011 that was part of like a trilogy. He's made a few TV movies. He's like yeah, I mean he's been working for a while. He yeah. started working in the 90s and he made like a lot of movies before he kind of broke out with I guess Phoenix. Yeah. Maybe Barbara to a lesser extent. Yeah. I yeah I think between phoenix in transit he made two tv movies i think because that was okay. there was a four-year break between phoenix and transit right so he took a break from future films i think mm-hmm. uh yeah i haven't seen any of those but i've been meaning to they sound good yeah i know the the one the the most well-known one i know is the one that he did i guess right before barbara it's like a it's a trilogy that's three different directors all making movies about the same uh, serial killer. And I know one of the other directors is Dominic Graff, who's like a occasionally will make like a feature film, but is a super prolific uh, television director in Germany, I think. But yeah, that one sounds interesting. Just anyway, to get back uh, wait, to get back to something Daniel mentioned earlier. You briefly mentioned being a connoisseur of Holocaust movies. Yeah. And, wh- and while some people might just want to, like, skip past that, I do generally yeah. have a curiosity why you are so interested in movies about that topic in that period and, like, what draws you to them. I don't really know why I immediately... Why it was sometime last summer where I just started... That became a thing where I just started watching a bunch of... It might have been uh, after Jojo Rabbit. I started watching just every <laughs> every one of those movies I could find. And just seeing... For some reason, because so, so many of them are so awful, I think, that it becomes very easy for me to sort of disengage from the history that they're actually dealing with because they feel so false... And then finding the ones that actually approach those that subject from creative ways. And Phoenix mm-hmm. was, I think, in the midst of that, if I found that. And I don't mm-hmm. think, this is may, maybe speaks to my own lack of exposure, but I had never seen a movie about the experience of Jews after the Holocaust, like immediately after the Holocaust. And, and so even just on the, the novelty of that subject, it drew me in. Um, but then we'll talk about it, but the way it deals with uh, the, the experience of Jews after the Holocaust and all of Germany during it, uh, it, it is, it's very good. But yeah, I, I, mm-hmm. I don't know what my fascination with Holocaust movies comes from, but uh, they're shamefully easy to watch <laughs> for me most of the time, Well, because most of them are bad. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is like that top. It's so interesting because like it is so often seen as like a shortcut to prestige. Mm -hmm. Like there's maybe not as much currently, but like there was definitely like there's definitely an era where it was like if you're making anything about the Holocaust, like you're automatically going to be like in awards conversations and you're going to be the like reader. taken seriously. Right. Exactly. Yeah, the reader, the pianist. Um, yeah. And yeah, I, I guess, yeah, it is inter- like, you know, I mean, I think people are still doing it. Like there's like all the movies, like there's the one, um, 
uh, was the Keira Knightley one where she's like in love with a Nazi officer. It's like Alexander Skarsgård or something. That was like Is a year like... ago. They're just or like no one's right. Seen... People make them still. Yeah, I, mean, yeah, yeah. I think it's less of like an automatic slam dunk. Like oh yeah, for sure, yes. or whatever. But it's still like people yes. that is like the go-to of like, I want to make like a serious awards contender. It's like yeah, well, mm-hmm. yeah. I don't. Know where to put it. I don't think we're expecting uh, big Oscar nominations for when Hitler stole Pink Rabbit. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Although I guess like in some of the less like there's usually always like at least one of the shorts is like holocaust related i feel like uh, mm. every year so like there is still like definitely an avenue where 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 they still get like prestige uh pre- like automatic prestige but and they still um, make money anyway because sure. especially if they're pg-13 then it's like that's the movie that uh high school teachers will show to their kids because they yeah. can't show schindler's list because it's rated r and four hours long right, so they're yeah. gonna show the zookeeper's wife because uh, <laughs> it's a ba- basically the same they're gonna show <laughs> where hands touch yeah where hands touch my favorite movie of all time um yeah um, with that should we get into phoenix mm-hmm. yeah 2014 <laughs> phoenix which we were talking about did we figure out if it had a festival release? It play it premiered at the Toronto International Film Festival. Okay. Uh, pretty shortly before just like coming out in Germany. Sure. Yeah. And then uh, kind of played the festival circuit in the U.S. throughout 2015. And I know it was on Netflix by like very early 2016. Yeah. Maybe even by the end of 2015, because I think, I believe I literally watched it on January 1st, 2016. I believe it is the first movie that I logged on Letterboxd. Wow. Wow. Mm-hmm. I think, I mean, we don't need to get into this. I do know what mine was. <laughs> um, but, yeah, uh, I mean, it, I mean, I can just talk about my, I might be, I, I would imagine I was the first to see a Petzold movie, uh, having seen Phoenix shortly after its release and uh, basically watching Phoenix in, uh, I guess, 20, yeah, 2016. I, uh, I mean, what I realized watching it this time was just like, oh, I just like didn't understand the plot of this movie, like was not following it. And as a result was just like extremely bored and disinterested. Uh, and that was not the case on rewatch. Uh, I still think it's maybe the least good of these three movies that we're going to talk about. And yet, it is still uh, pretty towering, I think. Yeah. I had a, a similar thing where I watched it, I want to say, like, 2018. Just because it was one that, like, Daniel was saying, like, it was on a bunch of, like, year-end lists. And then, like, coming mm-hmm. to the close of the decade, like, decade list. So I think I, like, definitely came to it late and enjoyed it a lot. And, you know, the thing about that movie is everyone talks about the ending and, like, what a showstopper it is. So, like, even it, like, being built up, when that happens, I was just like, this is insane. And then, like, uh, I went back and watched Barbara, uh, which similarly has, like, this big... He's, like, you know, he's got these big endings always. Um, Mm -hmm. And, like, then... um, you know, saw the rest of them basically as they've come out. Um, 
but I similarly was like, Phoenix is like good. It's got that great ending. Like I don't think about it often, and like it is always like at the bottom of my like if I'm thinking about like what pencils I like, it's like at the bottom. Um, but then when I rewatched it the other day, it's like the main thing about it is it's like the most like uh, expertly like paced movie. Like it was happening, and I like had seen it before, so I was like doing other things like intermittently. Uh, and then I like looked up at one point and, uh, they were like at the friend's house. I was like, wait, this is the end. Like I started this like five minutes ago. I feel like this is already over. And it was just, I was shocked at how quickly it moved. Um, but yeah, it's, it's so, so great. Um, like, yeah, I will, I will maybe soft agree on that about pacing. Like I similarly like, paused it at one point and uh was expecting to have made it like 20 minutes in and it was like 50 minutes yeah and i was like okay it's moving pretty quickly but at the same time nothing has really happened yet yeah uh, i, I agree with that assessment yeah yeah it it, it is incorrect so it's phoenix is easily my favorite of the movies that we're talking about today uh and uh, it's the second uh pencil movie i saw because i watched it in prep for this uh the yeah the it, it it is interesting like how long it takes just like setting up the chessboard of like we're gonna like slowly like set this element because it is like it's a pretty high concept movie mm-hmm. like uh and so it really does take the time to like make all that feel like natural and like part of the world that like that a part of the world that makes sense Right and like mm-hmm. just really slowly accept like this is like the premise of the movie like is everyone on board we're all on board right okay so now we're gonna go and then like from there it like tumbles tumbles down um uh and yeah I do like I think the it's it's like a it was it was just like yeah it's it's mm-hmm. it's really gripping I think it's really like I I do think like it has like that like little bit of a like a mystery element to it I think that's like that's really like intriguing and does keep you entertained um and and yeah and and like and it uses the like i think it 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 uses that high concept premise but played extremely straight in a way where because because i feel like with all these movies i do feel like they're they're pretty clinical like his style i feel like is pretty like Mm -hmm. like it's 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 not like juicing your emotions really i feel like yeah. um and so until the end right and 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 like there's a little bit of that like i think in some of the other ones where i like am resistant to that and like i i feel like the clockwork of it all of like he's trying to set all these things up so that you then have that gut punch at the end which which i don't feel as much with this one just because i feel like it's like it's at that place where it's um it's it's using the you're 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 much more i feel like in the 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 main character's head in this one and like much more like she's like your audience pov and you're like absolutely like with her the whole time of trying to figure out like what's going on yeah yeah to your uh to your point jesse about the pacing like I, i i didn't I didn't uh, see. I didn't pause to check the time, but it takes at least thirty minutes for uh, 
Johnny to pull her aside and be like, here's the deal. We're going to do the Vertigo thing. <laughs> yes. Uh, and, and, the, and when he says it, he just lays it all out completely. Like, it's very... It, it, the, in, the information is not teased out. It's just all given to you yeah. at once. The way exposition is given in his movies the the degree to which it is withheld or just dumped on you like i when we i'm sure we'll talk mm-hmm. about in undine how much it doesn't tell you what's going on yes. mm-hmm. um in this one uh yeah I, I i i get being confused by it at first because it doesn't despite how high concept it is it doesn't lead you through all the machinations like it doesn't i don't want to say hold your hand but it doesn't uh, uh it, like andy said it's very clinical about uh Mm -hmm. the way it deals with it even if the premise itself is so melodramatic and uh contrived Mm -hmm. for lack of a better word it's all it's very um unrealistic how to say um which is sort of the point but it's sort of operating in the realm of metaphor with its premise um but yeah it's good i agree it is my least favorite of the three just because I disagree with you, Andy. For me, it's the hardest one to separate the characters from sort of the structure and the metaphor that they represent. To, to me, it's almost too clean in terms of she's a stand-in for this, he's a stand-in for that, all their friends are stand-ins for this thing. Um, and so it's still a very powerful metaphor, and I think it's really great, but... Uh, I'm less immediately engaged on the character level, but yeah, it's really good. It's mm-hmm. it's something. Yeah, I do have a question. Uh, I I certainly understood it better than uh, uh, the first time I watched it, but one thing that seemed unclear to me, and I think there's a lot that's like sort of unclear around uh, her friend character. I think it's pronounced. Is it Lena? Something like Lena. Yeah. yeah. Lena. Uh, yeah. There's like a point. I mean, like the there. It does like the maybe the weirdest thing that it does is that like when uh, she first like admits to Lena that uh, she's seen Johnny, it just like cuts before you see any of the conversation, and then like she's not in the movie for like a half hour. Yeah, it does this flash forward, because that scene is much later after, because if you look through the light, she's all... Right, yeah. She's in her dress that she's wearing at the end, and she's all made Right, okay, that's a flash forward, because initially when it cuts back to that kind of scene, I was like, are we flashing back? But okay, that makes sense that it's a flash forward. Yeah. Uh... But yeah, that, so the but the question that I have is about something earlier. Uh, uh, I think it's I can't remember what exactly prompts her to say this, uh, but like uh, the Nina Haas character when they're talking says like, "Oh no, I'm not a Jew," and then uh, Lena's like, "Well." they don't really care is the implication that like she is not religiously jewish but like yeah that's that's what i took it to be that she's uh uh, she's not a she's not a practicing jew at least Uh so she doesn't consider herself 
and then it becomes this whole thing where she's distancing herself from the victims and being like right and yeah. trying to forget what the reason sorry there's a mosquito in my face <laughs> what the reason for all of it is um or the reason they tried to kill her in her in her just trying to turn mm-hmm. back the clock and yeah there's there, she seems to be sort of oblivious like they're uh, part of her character is she came back she wasn't in germany and she came back to germany in 1938 which seems like a very bad thing to have done uh so there's mm-hmm. uh, a a degree to which she maybe was never really thinking about what was going on or considering her own uh mm-hmm. background that feeds into all of this uh we should say just in case no one knows the basic plot of right. the movie is that uh, a like a Holocaust survivor has her face like completely destroyed, so she's getting, uh, she's like being taken to get facial reconstruction surgery, um, and then she like meets up with her ex husband, who like ratted her out essentially, um, to like save his own neck, uh, and he doesn't recognize her, so but he thinks she looks like enough like his wife that he's going to use her. And, like, dress her up like his wife uh, to, like, get money that he's owed from her death. Uh, which is just the craziest thing. <laughs> I was just watching it. Right. I was like, this is so insane. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, like... I mean, the way it opens, I think, is and so And, like, she great. she goes along with it because yes, she's yes. kind of in denial about him right. having she's trying turned to her in. And... If, yeah, if he did right. She and she Right. Yeah. Wa- and she wants to wind back the clock and sort of have fall in love with him again yeah. and wants yeah. him to fall in love with her and so um, him yes. she's sort of seeing it she has that line at some point it's like it's like we're meeting each other all over again right. we're going through the first stages of the relationship she just yeah. wants to go back um there's that first scene where like uh the friend is taking her like across uh the like through the gate the border or whatever mm-hmm. um and uh they like the it's just like you see her all bandaged up, like, Invisible Man style. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they... There's just, like, the stylistic touch of them driving through the bridge, and the, like, light comes up and, like, encompasses the whole screen, and then, like, he drops the title there, which is just really cool. Um, but the moment that, like, stuck out to me the most that I didn't really remember, um, she's, like... And he does this a little bit in transit also, but he... Um, or she sees... What she thinks is the ex-husband, uh, and she, like, calls out his name, and it's just some other guy. Um, but then she's at this club, uh, and she calls out his name, and he turns around, and it's him. And she, like, almost throws up, and it's just, like, one of the, like, craziest things, I think, of just, like, this person, like, just being able to, like, see this person again, and your instant reaction is, like... I'm sick to my stomach. Like, this is insane. Like, what do I even do? It's just such a crazy thing to, like, happen. And I was like, yeah. It's an incredible, that's an incredible scene because it's so simple in how he films it. It's just a single shot, then a reverse shot. She calls out his name. It cuts to him. He turns around and he he almost looks directly into the camera, but then looks off. Yeah. And then just turns around and cuts back to the exact same shot. And she like covers her mouth and like is about to scream. And it's so so like that could be such a like you can see that in another filmmaker's hands being so big. And I mean it. It is very big. But then 
the 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 way he underplays it with just it's a simple cut it's a simple shot setup it yeah that's that's one of the best scenes in the movie i think because yeah. of what you said um and then there's like the other stuff that uh is just like really striking i think is um when she's essentially like having to like practice all of her old mannerisms that he's like giving her and like the handwriting and everything mm-hmm. and then he it's just like so crazy that He's like, um, he's like, you don't look like enough like her. And it's like, it is her. It's so crazy yeah. the whole time. Just like the basic concept of it. I'm like, I could never do this. I would just be like, so bad. Like, hiding it. Yeah. And I mean, like, the setup of like, because the way it handles, like, the way that, like, she looks different or whatever is, like, you never see what she looked like before. Yes, yeah, yeah. Right? And you, so you only see her. Yeah, you see, like, kind of a, like, shadowy photograph right, at one yeah. point. Um, and so, like, when she is, like, the early earliest scenes where she's, like, in the hospital, like, right, she's, like, they, they start with, like, well, who do you want to look like? Like, do you want to look like this famous yeah. person or this famous person? Mm-hmm. And she's, like, well, I want to look like myself. And they're, like well like that's not usually it doesn't really work out the way you want it to there's never a hundred percent and also like this is an opportunity to like start over and be a new person right and then like it is like that the way that that sets up like well yes she is going to do that even though she wants to be herself like and she is torn between the like being different and being still the same of her of it all throughout the whole movie i think it's like it, it's it's like it's that that like thematic idea i think is like so well handled and well put into place uh, uh from the beginning yeah and then and then in that flash forward at the second half of that flash forward she starts talking about herself in the third person mm-hmm. uh, right. i forget what the line is but uh is she starts referring to uh the the woman who is in the concentration camps is her and then thinking so it it becomes this really icky thing where the more she's becoming her old self which like for which is probably was never how she really was it's just how her husband saw her Mm -hmm. and how he wants other people to see her the more she forgets who she the more she loses her actual identity as she's trying to assume the identity of uh this fake person that never really existed which is a through line through his other movies yeah yeah and i guess we should also say like the star of this movie is nina haas who like had a reputation for like being like a partner of his right like of like his niece for a while she's she's an i mean in all the movies i've seen at least from 2007 yellow barbara uh jericho uh in this and i think she's in others it's all she's the star of all of them I think their first collaboration was in 2001, maybe, and what I've read is basically, like, the two of them have just, like, remade Vertigo over and over. Yeah. And in interviews, because they asked him uh, when Transit came out, is why aren't mm-hmm. you working with her anymore? And he says something to the effect of uh, what Johnny does to her in, in that movie is not not what <laughs> I did to her as a director. And so we both decided this we should take a break <laughs> from this. It's too heavy right now. Um, which is really interesting. Yeah, it's and I but I do want to talk about um, is it Zerfeld or Zerfield the Yeah, yeah. 
Who's in Barbara. Mm-hmm. I think that's yes. the only other mm-hmm. one he's in. And he's great in that, too. Yeah. He, I think, is really incredible in this. I don't want to say better than Haas, but I think about him more, I think. And that's a very tricky role because... I mean, it, it's it's very static for a very long time. He doesn't budge from what he's... He's just doing one thing for the whole movie, <laughs> which is he's trying to force her to become... Uh, this image he has of his wife uh where the camps didn't exist and he's in denial about what not just what happened but what he did specifically and yeah. it's sort of uh i petzold himself said this in an interview in with the question of wh- why doesn't he recognize her and i think that's that's the right. point that where the suspension of disbelief the greatest amount is required and right. When he I watch this for one moment, like suspects it really. When I watched it with my roommate, it's not just a matter of he doesn't recognize her at first. It's she does her own handler writing. She knows his nickname. She does all this stuff. What? How stupid can he be? Right. And the way Petzl describes it is, it's a question of morality that he doesn't recognize her because right. if he recognizes her. Then that means he has to to, to reckon, admit what he, he has did, to confront like, his shame of yeah. what he did that he sold her out, and like um, it's revealed that he like divorced her, divorced like, her two right di- before, yeah, two days before, mm-hmm. yeah, and that's the nail in the coffin for her, um, yeah, and that's what the final scene pays off. It's yeah, uh, all he has to do is see uh, her identification number on her tattooed on her arm, yeah, and hear her sing. Which is one of the great, <laughs> greatest pieces of acting I have ever seen. Just his way... face? Because yeah. in that whole scene, and that, again, that's the very elegant just shot, reverse shot. And the, yeah. you only cut to the audience again at the very end, but the whole climax, <clears throat> climax is played out just in these two shots. And you see mm-hmm. him as he's playing, he begins to sort of, like, he starts looking up and down. He's like, "What? what's going on? How do you know this song? Um, and then he sees the tattoo, and then he just like freezes. And yeah, right. he's, yeah. I gotta say, a, not a very good show go, must go on mentality in that, in yeah. that moment. He stops sure, playing. Man. Like, Come on, you bigger gotta, fish it, to fry. In. You, you can at least back her up through the end of the song. Like you did so much other okay. stuff. To her. Yeah. <laughs> um, it reminds me because I just watched for the first time uh, recently that when I when it hit, like just the realization like happening on his face. Uh, Knights of Kiberia at the end mm. when she's like on the cliff mm-hmm. uh, and like realizes that like it's that like gonna, gonna happen again. This yeah. is yeah, he's he, like this guy's looking looking. around. Uh, that's a similar vibe where he's just like like his face just like you see the micro like drop in the, his face uh, yeah. and start looking around. But yeah, it's, the way that like it's a great rewatch of like the way they set up like you'll hear like speak low like play throughout the movie mm-hmm. uh, and then her singing at the end is just one of the craziest performances of just like whisper singing the song basically and then she comes out and again that's also mm-hmm. such a contrived thing where she's struggling to get through it and then in one moment she eventually rises from the ashes <laughs> yeah. so to speak and comes out fully formed and sings it incredibly uh, but it yeah. hits it, yeah it's 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 really great and what it's so interesting about that scene is because it's such a it's such a satisfying ending yeah and it it 
it, what I find most interesting about this movie and with his other movies is how, despite this one especially, despite how dour and serious it is and these heavy subjects about like Holocaust, how do you how do you come back from this incalculable tragedy, and how do the victims deal with it? How do the perpetrators deal with themselves? It. It is, it's such a construction, right? We're talking about because that ending is so perfect and how it pays yeah. everything off in the mm-hmm. movie. And it's really interesting, despite the heavy stuff he's dealing with, how much he also delights in the construction of setting up this mm-hmm. story that can pay off like that. And transits the same way where... Yeah. And he knows it. Like, the, the, the point where uh, Lena gives him the gun... My roommates just shouted like, "Oh yeah, I bet that's not gonna come back later." But then it doesn't really. She she takes it out again at one point, but it's. Mm-hmm. I have to think he knows what he's doing. He mm-hmm. yeah. He's like I he, yeah. I'm putting a gun in the first act. Don't <laughs> just look at this. And she <laughs> considers using it for a second, but then she realizes she has a better Chekhov's gun, which is uh, the song and her tattoo. But yeah, yeah it 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 takes a lot of melodramatic satisfaction out of uh, being able to play the audience like that, even if it's not going for emotional manipulation at any point. But uh, it's, it is it is that tension, I think, where it's it has all these like surface-level plot and twist pleasures in it um, while being incredibly emotionally and thematically heady uh yeah it's it in it's this great tension uh yeah andy you said this is your favorite do you have anything that we forgot to mention that you want to call out um i guess the only other scene that really sticks out into my mind is the scene right before the meeting i guess well there's yeah there, there's him describing like how the meeting's gonna go like and who's gonna come up first and all that like, uh-huh. is, is yeah. so interesting and then that the next scene or the like the scene that is like immediately right before where he's like oh we have to like figure out what to do about the fact that you should have a tattoo but you don't and she like just like like closes the bathroom door on him or whatever and it's like you don't you re- we really don't need to worry about this like yeah and and that, that like that set up the way that that like reminds you of like you know of the fact that like oh yeah the tattoo might play into this and so that it, when it then does uh later i think is like yeah really really excellent to like set set him up knock him down sort of storytelling yeah yeah i do want to say oh no you go call i was just gonna say the train station scene is also just like so good yeah and, like how it's like gorgeous looking uh, and also it. very darkly comedic i think in the way that they all do exactly what he yes. says they're going to do and it all feels mm-hmm. so rehearsed and phony it is uh, yeah. which it is yeah i wanted to say because we'll bring this up in transit too they're both about sort of people uh, confronting their status as ghosts, essentially, about whether they're metaphorically already dead. And so, post, you know, it, it's, uh, I, I mean, the whole metaphor is, you know, after World War II, Germany is kind of dead and trying to come back mm-hmm. from what they've done. Um, and it, it's people figuring out how to live their lives and move on past what has been done and uh 
the the great tragedy is that you know so many people are in denial about what happened and just want to go back to pretending it didn't happen and leave everything unresolved and her whole arc is realizing uh i mean the title is very on the nose but literally she's coming back to life at the end of realizing oh i don't have to tie myself down to what you are i can become i am who i was before but also i've lived through this experience and i can uh sort of move on so to speak from what has happened and live a life and his whole arc is literally contained in just the moment where he sees the tattoo and he what he realizes is that he's dead and he he can't come back to life because you can't Mm -hmm. because what he does is like such an unspeakable evil Mm -hmm. like you can't even i can't even comprehend what he does and but and it's so evil that of course he doesn't of course he can't you can't live with that. You can't live with that after you've done something like that. Mm-hmm. And I That's find interest- it. Oh, go ahead. I was gonna go say ahead. I find it interesting that there are no Nazi characters in the film because I think if there is a Nazi uh, or uh, Nazi characters, it would be. It's easier to look at them and be like, oh yeah, well they're outcast from society, kind of right. Like if you, you know, if you were in an uh-huh. SS uniform, you were we're going to do something about you but then it's what about people like him like there's three stages Mm -hmm. there's three different types of people in this movie there's people like nelly there's people like johnny and then there's people like the their friends the audience um and the first couple times i watched it i was always like for some reason it always uh bugged me like why does he do the one cut back to them at the end. Why do we need that? Why are they important to this? Um, and then I realized... Uh, what I, what, how I felt about it this time re-watching it was... Um, the point is they don't really... Uh, they're, they're not active uh, uh, perpetrators or victims of the crimes that have been committed, but they're just the complicit bystanders who... They, they, and they won't really understand what they did because they didn't have such an active role. So that, that part always goes a bit unresolved is, which I think is a nice little wrinkle to add to the immensely satisfying ending, which is that this doesn't, you know, it's not a metaphor for, uh, all the Jews fixing their problems kind of and doing away with everything that's happened. It's there's a, there's those people who just kind of look on and go like what, <laughs> and they don't understand what's happening, yeah. even though this uh, incredible uh, exchange of information between two people has happened, which is that one of them has come back to life and one of them is going to stay dead and has just realized that they're going to stay dead, <laughs> that they yeah. have no place anymore. Yeah, what I was just going to say was that uh, it's interesting that you uh, say uh, that these two movies are about ghosts because he lit, he has a uh, the, he has three movies uh, earlier in the 2000s that he calls his ghost trilogy uh, that uh, the last one is Yella and the first one is the state I'm in. I think it's called the state I'm in. And then the second one is literally just called ghosts. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Yell is very much a ghost story. 
Yeah, yeah. We, yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess our... I know that he says Undine is supposed to be the start of a new trilogy. We, of a romance we trilogy, get it. yeah. Right. Boy, oh boy. But also an element yeah, trilogy. Because, like, like, Undine wild. is water, and he says the next one is fire. Yeah, I wow. think it's a, I, I it's think it's a gay love story in the... Uh, uh, thematic element is fire. <laughs> yes. So good. I don't remember. A... I feel like I read that Franz Rogowski is going to be in it. I might be wrong about that. Uh, I feel like there's at least been speculation that he's maybe in it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. yeah. Um, very excited. Yeah. Um, well, speaking of Franz Rogowski, yeah. let's talk I'll transit like... and let's murder Andy. <laughs> yeah. I find him an yeah. underwhelming screen presence. That's <laughs> yeah, that's the craziest thing. Just one to... of the most exciting performances, like of all time, is him in it's... Transit, where it's like no yeah. one looks like this, no one talks like this. What like mm-hmm. just a magnet of charisma. Mm-hmm. Um, but Transit, well, <laughs> yeah, Transit yeah. is, uh, you know, premiered at uh, Berlin uh-huh. in uh, 2018 in competition. In yeah. competition, uh, I believe. Movie. Touch Me Not One, a right. Russian movie, uh, and Tom Tikver was the jury president. Does I he do win? Not... Does he win director for both Transit and Undine? Uh, well, Paula Beer won for Undine. She won. Paula Beer won. Uh, that actors. makes okay. And I don't know. No, Wes Anderson won for Isle of Dogs for best director. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, Transit. Um, right. This one, I definitely, uh, it was one that I remembered playing at TIFF the year that I went, and, like, the clip that they had, like, as part of, like, their, there was, like, a big playlist on, like, the TIFF YouTube channel or whatever that had, like, clips and trailers, basically, for all their movies uh, that were playing, and the one for Transit is the scene where he's got the documents and he's going to meet back up with a friend and they have them like them all on a line and he starts running away like right. before he goes to the writer's house um an action-packed sequence yeah and, and it's like and you you know you mentioned like uh not knowing what era it is and like not knowing what like whether like if it's present if it's past like that was like all the speculation of everyone talking about like we like what it was um uh, like around uh-huh. that time because like it, it was one because it didn't get its U.S. release until 2019, so that was like when more people started talking about it. Um, yeah, uh, I actually def- I want to go back to this uh, um, uh, Berlin jury for a moment. Uh-oh. So yeah, as Cullen said, Tom Tickber is the president, uh, and then you've got uh, Cecile de France, who is a Belgian actress. Uh, Chema Prado, who is a Spanish uh, film critic, uh, Adele Romansky, who uh, like works at is one of the big producers at Plan B, Ryuchi Sakamoto, wow, the composer, okay. and Stephanie Zacharek, uh, you know the wow. film critic uh, for Time. So really weird jury, and also only six people. Uh, but yeah, going back to the uh, fall festival run, I like specifically was like, oh, I don't really need to bother seeing this at TIFF because I hadn't liked Phoenix uh, when I yeah. saw it. Uh, and then, but then 
another opportunity to see it later that fall uh, at the uh, AFI EU showcase that they always do in December. Uh, and yeah, I I think I still like didn't entirely follow the plot in the yeah. way that I did this. Uh, this time I feel like I pretty much was like, oh, okay, I get what's going on. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I... Uh, I think similar, similarly to Daniel first watching it, I find found it, unlike Phoenix, the first time I watched it, to be, like, a very pleasurably disorienting experience. Yeah. I mean, you want to talk, like, showstopper endings. Like, when we were, like, uh, you know, this episode had been on the books for a bit, um, but, like, a lot of us were just, like, watching the stuff this past week. And, like, every time I would see, like, transit, like, anyone talking about it, I think at the end and I, like, instantly get chills because it's just such a perfect thing. And, you know, we'll talk about, like, what it is. <laughs> but, God, it's just truly, like, one of the best moments in any movie. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. But this... Andy, please, that face. <laughs> uh, you're being, you're making a stinker face when I say this. I'm just, um, I'm just puzzled. Continue. Um, uh, you dick. <laughs> um, but yeah, transit. Who wants to talk about what this movie is about? Uh, I mean, it's uh, as. We kind of, as Daniel kind of talked about, it is a movie that is uh, set in France during the Nazi occupation, but that, uh, I mean, like, goes past anachronism is just, like, uh, there are some period-specific things, but there are as many or more modern elements, uh... Just in it's terms like a Shakespeare of, like... production with cell phones. But that's the sure. thing is they don't use they don't go full, yeah they don't they're right, not like it's the smart... same sort of idea of like sort well, of I'm gonna sort of transpose this into like a different time where it's like disorienting and it's really all time that sort of thing. Yeah, I mean it's not even all time. I think to me it's just it's caught between times. You're as displaced mm -hmm. temporally as all the characters are geographically they're all without a home mm -hmm. they can't situate themselves and i think the genius of the conceit is you know with a lot of uh period pieces in uh world war ii or holocaust movies it's easy to compartmentalize it and go like oh well that was in the past you know yeah. it, right. but at the same time putting it all in the present and be like and going like it makes you think it's kind of what's happening now you're it makes you go okay okay sure <laughs> you're so deep but the 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 caught in between where you can't you can't like relegate it to any category of what it what it's supposed to be it's so like if they were just using smartphones like the the reason i felt like i was going insane was that there were enough details that weren't uh, uh, specifically not uh, present day. Yeah. But in a way, it, it never mm -hmm. becomes gimmicky. It just sort of becomes the fabric of what the movie looks like. But it, 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 like them using typewriters or having rotary phones, it never calls attention to itself. You mm -hmm. see like some modern cars and one flat screen TV right. mounted on a wall. And all the clothes are like generic enough 
yeah. that you're like right yeah. that yeah you someone would wear that now but that could also be something from, yeah it's yeah it's mm-hmm. it's really incredible and it it yeah yeah there's never like a piece of modern technology that significantly affects the plot is there no, I mean the story. Yeah. I think is basically the same as because it's based off this uh, uh, novel by Anna Zegers, who mm. was a refugee in Marseille uh, during mm-hmm. during the war, and so I think the plot is fairly uh, uh-huh. faithful to the novel. So it would be that case where they couldn't incorporate a lot of technology, but. I, I, I have watched interviews with Petzold where he says the main reason he doesn't do cell phones is because he doesn't want he doesn't want you to watch the movie and think of it as out of date once in like two years once you know because cell phones are different mm-hmm. yeah because they because tech uh, things age much quickly now much more quickly now but you don't have that problem with like rotary phones you're just like that's a rotary phone um. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's it's this very careful balance, and I think the production design is incredible in the yeah. way, not even beyond the conceit of the mix of the modern and old technology. It's just the look of this movie is, um, uh, it, it's so beautiful. The all the colors, the 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 way all the costumes are color coded, all the yeah, the design of every single set. Uh, it's 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 truly unlike anything I've ever seen. And again, like in Phoenix, in this understated way where it never becomes... Uh, he never mm-hmm. calls attention. Even though he's calling attention to other things, he's he's never calling attention to the the conceit of, uh, of his adaptation, which I think is what makes it so confusing on the first watch and also right. so pleasurable on the second watch is you're not... You're not having your hand held through it, like in Phoenix or in Undine. Um, yeah. Yeah, uh, going back to the plot, uh, let me see if I can summarize this. Uh, so basically, Franz Rogowski is playing, uh, a refugee in Marseille who, uh, he takes on the identity of this writer who has killed himself, but the writer, when he killed himself, didn't know that uh, he had actually uh, he'd gotten a, a visa to go to Mexico. And so uh, Georg, the Franz Rogowski character, uh, takes over his identity, and then... Uh, has a bunch of encounters with uh, a woman who he eventually... Uh, so there's this narration that is from just, like, not even a tertiary character, just, like, yes. a bartender who the is in the, the back. is also just so... He's yeah, like he's just, like... Omniscient. He knows stuff he shouldn't know, I feel like. No, he doesn't. He knows. He tells him everything. No, because yeah, because Georg just like in the scene before they're uh, talking with each other. The implication to me is, is that yeah, like Georg has just told him the they, entire yeah, they show story. Them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, then, but yeah, yeah, like 
so yeah, like there's this moment where uh, it becomes clear to Georg that this woman who he's been interacting with is the wife of this dead author uh and the narrator's like uh had he had he known all along and it is kind of like certainly on a on a um a second watch it is just like super obvious like oh of course like she's like in all these embassies looking for her husband who she doesn't know is dead uh but yeah it's just like they uh he so he's trying to get to Mexico and then uh she had had an opportunity I think to go either to the United States or Mexico with uh this doctor who uh she's maybe in love with uh um and and yeah she didn't take it because uh she wanted to wait for her husband uh and so it's just like this kind of thing of like his goal is like to get all three of these people out of france but he is not he he can't be honest about who he is because uh he doesn't want to risk him not being able to go, but because he's not being honest about that, it makes it, it, it she is unwilling to go because she is still waiting for her husband. Uh, and it's just like, uh, and then he doesn't want to go because she isn't your, it, it just gets, it's just very convoluted. The three of them not being able to get out. And then there's also, uh, when he initially goes to Marseille, he is supposed to be accompanying his friend who has been injured, uh, and the friend dies before they get there. Uh, but then he goes to, uh, the friend's wife, uh, and he also, they also have a son, and he becomes really attached to the son and the son wants him to uh yeah go with them they're kind of like running off to the mountains and there's just all this kind of the main kind of theme of the movie is just like people whether people are willing to leave other people behind and who is leaving who behind uh changes throughout the film yeah and it's so like in phoenix it's just so melodramatic. Like, when you describe the premise of... Yeah. Guy uh, uh, steals a dead man's identity and falls in love with his wife. (laughs) Who falls in love with him but doesn't know that he's pretending to be her dead husband. Mm -hmm. Um, But then it's it's one of those... I I find with this movie, there's all these different pairs of dueling uh, forces sort of in the in his direction in the writing in the form itself like there's obviously the dueling time periods and then there's what's also in phoenix which is it's so big and melodramatic and contrived um but the the style is so distanced and uh clinical kind of about it and uh like in phoenix 2 it's 
it's um it it feels uh, since i watched this for the first time i've gotten a lot more into classic hollywood stuff and going back to this now uh, it, it feels so much like it's ripped straight from like a uh I mean, Casablanca is the one people bring up, but yeah. even just other war movies from the 50, 40s and 50s. Um, it, it feels... It, it, there's this uncanny echoing effect, kind of, where uh, scenes and exchanges play out, and they feel so familiar. And not mm. to the point where it becomes like an homage or a pastiche to just the movies he likes. Um but there's this weird, again, that feeds into it where it it you feel kind it feels kind of familiar what you're watching in these archetypes, in this like rogue character who sort of finds his soul as the movie goes and learns to help people, and, uh, it's it's so transparently artificial in that way, um, but then it's so heavy and clinical in its construction but then also that like phoenix that it takes so much pleasure in the in uh the contrivances and in the final payoffs and what it can do um and i and i would like to talk about the narration really quick um i think it's brilliant and it's another one of those uh dueling forces because this movie, more than any of his other movies, uh, sticks so closely to the main character's perspective. Like, even in Phoenix, there's a couple scenes from Lena's uh, yeah. POV. And Undine, you know, it, there's scenes split between the two of them. This one, mm-hmm. it never it never leaves him. Yeah. Um, and so, in, in the novel itself is told in first person. It's, it's, mm-hmm. So the narration is entirely inventive. But it's it's this very first person kind of subjective, like you even share his. We see his hallucinations too at the end, when he sees when he sees her walking through the bar one last time, yeah, and then like the sound design starts echoing, um, and so it's like a very present tense movie. But then all of the narration is in third person and in the past tense, and that becomes <laughs> sort of. Uh, another tragedy of the characters which is that they're always situated in the past tense even as they're living their lives they're always doomed they're doomed to be lived in the past tense they're always they they are dead and they always have been dead and always will be dead that sort of thing um and then the the uh the question of the movie to me becomes just sort of how do you like what do you do to justify your existence kind of and uh mm-hmm. what uh is is there a reason that you ever existed at all and eventually it becomes at the start you know he exists for nothing but himself he's very selfish and like mm-hmm. the first scene you don't even realize it until uh uh maybe a rewatch is the first scene it's him agreeing that to just leave all his friends in exchange for a visa to transport these papers to this writer like at the t- top of a dime whatever the phrase is i don't know yeah you uh he immediately agrees to abandon all his friends to get out he he doesn't care about anybody um 
and then once he, you know, once he meets the boy and his mother, that's the first time he cares about another person, and then he has this conflict, and then once he falls in love with Marie, he he learns he sort of learns the meaning of love kind of and then but then it all is for naught at the end and so the the tragedy of all the refugees is that uh their final the point of their existence is only to tell their stories and because they can't Mm -hmm. do anything else kind of they're doomed to just tell their stories to other people and maybe those people can tell their stories to us uh, right, because he has the like amazing monologue where well, he's talking to the uh, um, the, the American consulate, consulate. yeah, yeah mm-hmm. uh, where he's like uh, the school essays, yeah, the school essays. He's <laughs> like, because like the consulate thinks he's a writer, so he's like, ah, I we'd always go on field trips and they'd be, fun, but then the next day we'd have to write the essay, my field trip, and then I'd have a holiday and you'd have to write my holiday. And he's and, and then he he's like you know my experience I'm not gonna write because you know my experiences aren't gonna be for essays I'm not uh, I'm not gonna live just to write about it later right yeah, yeah. uh huh but then yeah. he's like yeah. he's like at a certain point we're just he's like behaving on a holiday in order to have a good story yeah. for right. the essay and it's it's mm-hmm. so just incredible uh yeah and he's just like no more school essays it's such a great moment um so sad <laughs> it's it's i mean it's just incredible um the narration the thing that i love about it is like there's just these scenes where like it, and it's just like embellishments i guess on franz Rogowski's end where like the narrator is like saying something and like it's not what happens yeah. in yeah. the movie it's just like a lie about like how someone's behaving or like what they're doing and it's such like adding to the disorientation like you're saying and it's like uh-huh. such a rewarding thing on a rewatch of just like this like wh- what is the reason for him like saying that he like touches her face in this way when she doesn't or like saying that someone's crying when they're obviously not yeah. like mm-hmm. the reasoning for that yeah um, or maybe right. even the bartender I mean... is embellishing uh, like, yeah for sure because yeah. like there's the yeah. scene where they're holding hands in the bar and so the bartender can see yes. it himself and yes, he's exactly saying in the right. narrations yes. like they made out <laughs> it's like yeah, no like, they're not they're holding hands <laughs> Uh, he was crying. Uh, they started kissing, and it's yeah. just like they're like on their they're, hands. He's just touching face. your hands. They're not yeah. doing anything. Yeah. Um, there's so many like great moments. Um, yeah, I the mean, one the, like oh, oh sorry. No, I was just the narration kind of does. It makes sense that the novel is first person. So the narration does kind of become a conduit through which to kind of have some first person despite being third person to mm-hmm. get his point of view in without having to have him do uh you know voiceover which would probably yeah. be silly uh but he can't tell it to us which is kind of mm-hmm. the he has to do it through a conduit someone else right this which uh, like passive observer who doesn't really and you can imagine he's probably heard the stories of a lot of refugees who pass through mm-hmm. and he's just yeah. there and not really part of it but yeah, and, like, the scene where that's, like, maybe most important uh, is the scene where the woman is being dragged out of the hotel uh, by the Nazis, and everyone's just, like, standing in yeah. their doorways, and it's, like, uh, 
you know, he needs to be able to say, like, oh, what they're all, you know, it's like they're kind of, like, staring at each other and standing slack-jawed, and they have to finally get to, like, oh, what they're feeling is, like, shame that they're not yeah. doing anything. The, um, there's, like, so many small moments that are just, like, really nice, um, like, or, like, really, like, great touches, uh, mm-hmm. you know, there's the moment, and it's, like, really, like, funny in a way where um he explains to uh, i believe the guy's name is heinz explains to his wife that he died like on the train yeah. when they were coming from paris uh and then like it's revealed that she's deaf mm-hmm. and the son signs it to her and you just yeah. hear like she drops what she's holding and friends are just like oh like and it's a weirdly i like was watching it i was like this is like very funny of just like explaining this like tragedy and it like you know not being received and then the son like has to do it and he's just like sits in the moment of just like dropping the plate or whatever um and then like you know you talk about uh the um the scene where the woman is like being dragged out of the hotel and he like makes eyes across the way with the woman Mm -hmm. with the dogs yeah who is a character that i forgot completely about um and like one Mm -hmm. of the like things of like because you know she shows up uh at the consulate it's her and then like the guy in like the seersucker suit or whatever like um Mm -hmm. yeah who like has a heart attack yeah yeah and it's just like they're introduced as these sort of like you know just these characters of like she's got these dogs that she hates He's like annoying and like always talking to everybody or whatever. And he can't stand. Them. He keeps yeah, moving away. Yeah, yeah, going back and forth. Yeah. Um, and then like there are like these constants of like he's always seeing them like at the consulate and like uh, on the street mm-hmm. or at the at his hotel. Um, and there's the moment where she's like like the dogs have died and like she's having this nice meal and invites Franz Rogaski like with her, um, and they like going on a walk and he gives her a cigarette and like i forgot like completely like what was gonna happen so Mm -hmm. i was like is this just like a big scene of like a a nice like like this conversation that i forgot about and the like the shot of the cigarette with the lipstick on it that's like on the like barrier of like he rolls a cigarette and he's like smiling and then it just like you know cuts out and she's just gone and he Mm -hmm. like is looking around and then you start hearing the people like gather and like yell and he looks down and she's like jumped off it's so uh crazy but there's like another moment i forgot about where that's just like so sad where he goes back to the son and the deaf wife's house and there's he's like looking for them so he's like knocking on the door and it's the family or just like the group of these uh, new refugees and they're just like so scared and it's like mm-hmm. that is it's just like so sad and so scary because it's just like he's knocking on their door and he's just like are they here and they like are like frozen almost and they're all just like mm-hmm. looking at him um it's it's just so so right because like, the reason <laughs> the reason he's going to look for them is because i think at that point his thought is like oh uh uh, Richard, the doctor, can have his visa and 
you know, the yeah. the the writer's and visa, he'll go with him, yeah. and then Mar- and go with Marie, and then yeah, he'll go with them to the mountains. But it's, it's like oh, they they ended up leaving him behind, even though uh, Dries the boy was mad that he was going to leave Dries behind. Yeah. yeah. Um. And I mean, like the. <sighs> When they're in the cat, like when he goes to the consulate for the final time, um, and he's like smiling the whole time and like looking at her out the window, and then they like run off and like it's shot like sort of like grand Hollywood romance of like yeah. them running with their bags to the car, and they get in and like she still is just like it's gonna be so nice when I see him on the boat like it's been so long I hope he forgives me. And he's just like, what do you mean? And, like, they keep going to it. And he just, like, gives her the paper. And he's like, I have, I have to, I forgot something. And he's, like, gonna go back and just, like, not go with her. And then following that, the reveal that, like, the boat just hit a mine and, like, yeah. Yeah. sunk and there were no survivors. It's just so devastating where it's, like, he gives Richard his papers and, like, rushes him off. He's like, you gotta go now. Uh, he gets to the boat and, you know, the ending is the ending where it's, like, him at the bar talking to the bartender. That's how, like, they reveal that's the narrator. And then he's, like, sitting at the table. That's, like, where it becomes clearly revealed. But there's definitely moments earlier oh, yeah, where he's, sure. like, yeah, where, like I reckon. saw them. And, like, yes. you can see him in the background looking or whatever. Or even, like, he's, like, uh... Uh, Melissa, the mother of Dries, gave me the paper slip, and you yeah, can yeah. see her giving it to him. Um, yeah, when they need, that's when they find the doctor. Um, yeah. Uh-huh. But then it's just like, you know, that's where he, like, has a hallucination, right? And he's like, he thinks he sees her walk through the bar, and he's, like, chasing her, and then he finds out about the boat. Um, but then it's just the moment of, like, you hear the chime of the door, and he looks back and smiles, and then cut to black. Road to Nowhere starts playing. Mm-hmm. It's the best needle drop in any movie it's, of all time. I think it's such a magic trick of an ending, and the way it's it pays insane. everything off, because it gives you uh, the very depressing every... Like, it gives you the everyone died the end, kind yes, of. He's yeah. going to die. Um, <laughs> and it's really devastating, but then... But then it pays off his character arc, which his arc is he has a soul now. He's learned to love another person, which in a way you could read it as that dooms him more because now he's always waiting for someone that will never come. But also he has hope now, which is that is that better than having no hope at all? But then and you see all the soldiers riding through in the window in the back. Oh, yeah, because. The guy who tells him the boat crash, he's like, they're going to be, like, raiding, like, any second. Yeah. Like, we got to get out of here. Mm-hmm. And it does this, the movie does this strange thing, and I haven't been able to figure out what exactly it is, where when they're outside, or even when they're not outside, when there's a window in the shot, everything outside feels so much closer than it usually does in hmm. movies. I don't know if any of you guys also felt that. Like, in the scene where he's talking to the, when he's uh, drinking with the woman who had the dogs... And, like, the motorcycles and other cars are going behind them. Yeah. It, it feels to me like everything's, like, right right behind them as opposed to... I think I see what you mean. Yeah. yeah. And to me, it feels like that's paid off visually at the end with... And then all the fascists riding in. That's yeah. the last thing. And also, 
uh, yeah, and narratively and with his arc and the arc of the movie and of the refugees, he's he he finally has a reason to exist. Uh, and then it cuts to black and it ends on this very hopeful song. Kind the, of. It's such, yeah. I mean, like the smile, like the slight smile at the end, and then just it's, like it's. It's just such a beautiful moment. It's like mm-hmm. that is like endless possibilities. Like after seeing that, like you can do anything. It's so mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I said uh, last night after watching this again that uh, 2018 was the year that had the two best uh, um, closing credits uh, needle drops. Uh, between this and uh, the house that Jack built, which is just like the best joke. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you agree with us, right, Andy? Yeah, it's so interesting because, like, in all three of these movies, I feel no like I enjoy them intellectual. Like any enjoyment I get yeah. of them is on an intellectual level. I like do not emotionally connect to. That's any insane. of these movies really at I, all and i like it's except, very except for undine i'm the same i've transit especially yeah, i have well. no nothing about it does anything for me emotionally at any moment and the needle drop is fine yeah now i i get that that's sort of yeah. like when you hear see people who are colder on him they're all like theoretically these are all very good right uh, and yeah but because yeah. they're all so studied right it's, and it feels so constructed and so clinical that i'm like yes i see like you are putting the pieces in place yeah. and then i am just like i i especially like in this one like the tight focus on Rogowski, like he feels like such a cipher to me i never like am <laughs> like interested in him as a character and like i really feel like that hurts the other characters who i feel like have much more interesting stuff but when you're seeing everything through his lens i just like do not really like care about what's happening in the movie unfortunately like it's a real bummer um and like yeah i i do wonder like if it was first person narration maybe i would like be a little find a little bit more way into the character or something like that but like yeah i i like i i they're all just like yeah they're they're all all these movies i feel like are like construction wonders of construction but mm-hmm. like yeah i don't i don't really ever get beyond the the surface like yes i see how you have made this sort of uh, enjoyment of it. Yeah, yeah I, I feel that sh- with some of his earlier movies with Barbara and things like that, even though I still like them. But yeah, it's that's in all of his movies. Yeah. I don't know that I have seen a movie that has third-person narration that is not a masterpiece. <laughs> what are I can ones? only think of... The only ones I can think of are this... Royal Tenenbaums, and then the, I guess all three actually of the Mariano Yunus films, but really mostly the two more recent ones. Uh, and I guess there's other documentaries, which the first Yunus film is like sort. I guess it's a mockumentary kind of. Uh, but yeah. Listen up, Philip. Yeah. No. Oh yeah. Yeah, I, I, for me, it's uh, Phoenix is I. It almost approaches what how you feel, Andy. Yeah, which is because I almost can't extrapolate like the soul from I. I, I ultimately can, but it's it's a it's a back and forth with with extracting the 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 people from the metaphors that they're stand-ins for. Um, with this one, yeah, for me, I feel uh, 
these these people work for me on a very surface level as people much more immediately than in that one and then yeah and also it's it is a perfect construction but also there's 10 things going on like t- uh going back and forth in every scene mm-hmm. where if it was simpler then i might have that detachment as well mm-hmm. but it's it goes beyond just i'm intellectually stimulated it's like like it, it leaves my head buzzing with all these possibilities of what movies can do that i hadn't thought of before <laughs> no i mean it's yeah. like again yeah it's like I completely see that, and it's like I completely recognize that we're in the same boat. It's like I am like on a similar boat with Andy, where it's like nothing about it aesthetically or emotionally really speaks to me, apart from like some moments. Like to say something positive about Transit specifically, I think a thing that it does really well that I do appreciate is just how empty it is, just like how empty everything is, just like the city and the apartments and just even the bar which has some people in it even how sparse it is i feel like that communicates something about like disaster slash end times that is very power is very powerful just like how just like eerie everything feels and just like there's so much space between everybody because nobody wants to like talk to another person or really deal with another yeah. person in that those sorts of terms but also everything's just so normal. Yeah. Everyone's just walking around. You see people jogging. Like most people do not care about what's happening. Or to to that extent. Yep. It's yeah, it's a very scary movie to me. Yeah, but apart from that, it's like nothing. It's like uh, out of the three Rogowski performances I've seen, this one is the one that least does the least for me, I think, also. He's a, he's just a person where it's like I think he's a good actor. And he also looks very interesting. And I just sometimes wonder what the percentage of one thing that people respond to versus the other thing. And it's (laughs) very interesting. But uh, I don't, yeah, I don't, I have been mostly quiet because I just have, I have sort of nothing to say about it. It's just like, it's, it's a very intelligently made, like, potent movie about difficult topics but in terms of connection i have almost none to it he's such an animal in the first act of this movie to me which is what the in uh, all the character the main the protagonist in all three of the movies we're discussing have at least some moments where they're like all crazy eyed kind of like in undine it's i i would say the very beginning of the movie is like that and in phoenix it's somewhere in the middle where she's like being directed to do all these things and she can't comprehend it and she just keeps breaking down in this it's yeah the way he kind of just pinballs back and forth and is just running everywhere and keeps I mean, saying no i will not help you to anyone unless you can get me out of here he's a, he like he sir he exists only for himself and i don't know it, it is like i i'm oh, sorry no you go i forget like how sort of jarring like his transformation is like i like the be- the beginning of the movie like he's uh, like essentially like a different person i, mm-hmm. I feel and like mm-hmm. you see you know traces of it like there's a scene where um the doctor uh he like has to like pin the doctor against the wall because he's like trying to like get him out and he just like 
brute force like grabs him and pins him against the wall and then like just lets him go <laughs> and it's like it is this sort of animalistic like attack out of nowhere and when he elbows the soldier at the yeah, beginning uh, yeah yeah the beginning him. it's so, mm-hmm. so yeah um yeah because he begins the movie kind of without I, either he doesn't have an identity or he's lost it because he's been displaced like he doesn't he i mean like i said he he doesn't have a soul kind of and then the ironic mm. thing is it's not until he takes someone else's identity that he begins mm-hmm. to sort of uh, live vicariously through that and then develop his own feelings for things. Uh, I, I can't believe I haven't mentioned yet the scene where he's repairing the radio yes. is like that's sort of the thing that unlocks this for me and completely breaks my heart because that's his whole life before the movie (laughs) like that's Mm -hmm. uh, to me that's just that's everything that he lost and that all the refugees lost is he's so good at this thing and he's so clearly like joy happy about his skill uh Mm -hmm. with this thing then yeah i mean that's the scene where i was like just thinking about andy and just like you don't find him compelling <laughs> yeah and then him he, singing the childhood song is almost redundant yeah. at that point because it's it's going further back to all this thing even though it's still really powerful to all these other things he's lost but it's mm-hmm. yeah it's it's so incredible i think how he manages to he he doesn't have him go like oh, what did you do before the war and he like goes into this like well this is like it because he exists in the present tense he doesn't have really time to reminisce it's only through him doing this other thing that uh we we see it registered in his face and in his eyes sort of the maybe the man he used to be that he isn't anymore mm-hmm. uh and now he has to find something new to become in yeah. in these circumstances and he and he finds it it's very inspiring i think despite how um despite how uh, relentlessly bleak it is and terrifying. Yeah. Perfect movie. Mm-hmm. Yep. We haven't even talked about beer at all. I mean, we'll definitely talk uh, I mean, about yeah, it more. He, it is a thing of, like, when I would think of this movie, I was like, it's a real two-hander, but it, like, completely is not. Like She doesn't she become is... a thing until the second half. Yeah, she's and it's not... like... Uh, yeah, it's just... It, 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 I think it's just because she is such, like... Like Rogowski's such like a compelling presence that like I remember yeah. her uh, in much more of the movie. Yeah, uh, I do in. think she's incredible. The scene, I yeah. mean, every scene with her, but I think of the scene where she tells him like when he realizes that she's the wife of yeah, the mm-hmm. dead and it's yeah. just a static shot of them sitting on the bed on together. the bed. It's insane. And she's I mean, it's also like everything. like. A supremely gorgeous movie. Like, mm-hmm. the way it looks is... Yeah. Like, it's just so incredible. The way it looks. Like, mm-hmm. it's... And Undina, too, it has a lot of it. Um, yeah. Which yeah. is, like, it's weird. We'll talk about it, I guess. But, like, with Undina, like, I see more of the, like... Clinicism and, like, s- structure in how it looks. Because it looks so clean. Mm-hmm. But I yeah. do think it is, like, a purely like emotional movie um but uh with yeah with like in transit she like there's the scene where um 
And, like, all their scenes together, it's just, like, such, like... They're dynamite. They have... Yeah, it's, like, so... They're it's, so electric. Exactly, yeah. Um, <laughs> the, uh, the scene of them, like, running to the car and, uh, sitting in the car as she's, like, talking about it is, like, maybe my favorite scene, uh, yeah. in the movie. Other than the ending. Um, but, yeah, she's just an, an incredible actor i think and i i mean andy you've seen the the one long movie she's in right <laughs> never look away oh yeah. yeah i have seen that i don't recall any i don't recall her no yes i just that's like the only other thing that she is in I, well no I like, like her first movie i don't know if it was her first movie but her breakout was uh france the francois zone movie which she won the marcello mastroianni award wow. for oh, uh at yeah. venice well, she's also, like, crazy young. She's, like, 25 she's like 20, now. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, the scene where... Um, yeah, I mean, like, her in trans... Sorry, uh, her in transit is, like, almost like the Jennifer Lawrence in uh, Silver Linings Playbook thing of, like, you... This character has to be so much older, but, like, I guess it works, though. I think it works better in transit, uh... And Transit, yeah. I can buy it as she's a young person who's yes. just lived through a lot. I, yeah, I guess so. Which I think it, she's not just playing like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm an, I'm an older woman. It's more just like I've lived life. Yeah. yeah. Um, the scene where uh, she comes back to him and is, is sort of like, I'll go on the boat with you, in in the in the bar, and they and they embrace. And everyone at the bar just turns and looks at them. And it's so... They're so in love with each other. And everyone's just, yeah. like, pissed off it's... At, at their happiness. It's such an incredible moment. It's, it's like, kind of funny, but also so swooning. And, yeah, yeah it, it, it really breaks me. Well, we should that... move on to Undine, I think, because yeah, we've, we've been going long on this one, and I, you know, in the name of a reasonably okay. length of an episode, uh, you know, you know, I think as it's the one of these movies where there's the most to talk about. Yeah, I guess, and maybe we should be like a little less into the plot of Undine since it's just coming out, so maybe people haven't had the chance to see it. Yeah, but um, but yeah, Undine, uh, is his latest movie. It played. Berlin, right? Yep. It is where it premiered. Yep. Paul yeah. Beer won the Silver Beer. Bear. Right. Uh, um, Andy, remember correctly called the Golden Bear winner. Uh, there is no evil. That's right. A movie that no one has ever seen. But I it think won it the Golden Bear. just came out, maybe uh, like this good. month. We Last talked about this a, a lot. Uh, Jeremy Irons was the jury president. Um, mm. Right, and it was like just before everything. It was the last like yeah, it was yeah, it was the, the last you know before um, the pandemic. Yep, and then I think most of uh, I think maybe just Jesse and Emilio saw this as part of New York last year. Yeah, um, and then and we talked about it a little bit. Yeah, then. um, right. But yeah, now, it's uh. It's, oh, sorry. Uh, go ahead. Yeah. Right, and now it's coming out, uh, uh, you know, played New York. I think yeah. it ha it's had, like, strong receptions all along. Um, it's, it's, 
right? It's an adaptation of like an old like folk. Yeah, there's myth the famous of, myth like a German of... fairy tale. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's, it's like, like derived like from other... the same thing that the Little Mermaid's derived from. Uh, yeah, and like uh, Neil Jordan did a Undine movie with yeah. Colin Farrell, and someone else, I guess, was playing Undine. Yeah, uh, um, like the myth, I think it's like. A woman, like a, a, a sea, a, a water woman. <laughs> um, a nymph. A nymph, yes. yeah. Um, it's like her lover, if the lover betrays her, she has to kill him. Right, there's like some return to the that sea. like she, uh, she yeah. has to murder. Yes. Some ancient, yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's like going off that, which is like so <laughs> cool. <laughs> it's such a good movie. Um, yeah, it's the one I almost have the least to say just because I have the least grasp on the thing it's adapting. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, but yeah, the the first scene, I guess we can start, where yeah. this is, I think, one of the most intense scenes he's ever shot, where it's shot like a Bourne movie, kind of. It's like long lens, <laughs> shaky cam, and, and he's like, oh, well, you should have... You should have guessed. I said, I always say we have to see each other. And I said, we have to meet. And she's like, no, you said I, I have to see you. And she starts frantically taking out her phone. It's like so intense. Um, yeah. And then the end of the scene is she ends with like, if you leave, I have to kill you. Yes. <laughs> it's like, <"Boof." laughs> even if and she's like, oh, I have 30 minutes. I have to go give this like talk. Just wait for me. <laughs> and right, she goes yeah. completely emotionless when she says it, like she's crying and crying. And then she goes completely and still and says, I'll have to kill you. <laughs> yes. It's, and it's, it's like, it's scary. It's, it's interesting. Scary. It does invite the question of like, how much did he know about her deal? Like up, up to this moment, which I feel like the movie doesn't quite really I get mean, into, which is fine. It's not interested in answering that. I think she, but. does she say something to the effect of like, you know, I have to kill you or am I imagining that? I think it is so. the way he reacts to it. I guess he's not, I guess he's like, calm down. Like he does, right. yeah, he does I it, think like, it's like totally played as like I'll kill you if you break up with me. <laughs> um, like uh but um and then she goes and gives the first of her talks about Berlin's architecture, which is yes. Some which of the most there's like four, four, yes. there's so four or five times throughout the movie, or three or four. Well, there's two yeah. complete lectures that we right. get. The one that and she gives the to them, and then the practicing one. The, the other ones we just like in there while lectures are being given. Yeah, and that's a very cool space because like it's mm-hmm. oh, got it like gorgeous, all the yeah. models and stuff of like, and you know it's talking a lot about like the history of Berlin and like who was in charge when and like what they were trying to communicate with their architecture, like. You'll think a lot more about like what architecture means than most yeah. movies uh, when you watch this this movie. Yeah, yeah, and it is like the models like themselves like look great, um, and just like how clean like the digital photography is. It really is just like n- pleasing to like look at and just hear the mm-hmm. you know the lecture, um, and then I mean the scene where she is like first rehearsing like in a whisper to the little diver figurine is so nice and then when Rogowski's like like I want to hear it like do it is such a romantic scene mm-hmm. um and they go out to the balcony and, oh, they're, and, they're and he has her covered in blanket yes yeah. it's just so, cool. so this is the outlier in the three movies we're talking about in that it's so, for so much of it, so joyous and so open-hearted yes. and romantic. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Like it's you just get swept up, kind of. It, it is. Yeah, it's a it's whirlwind like, romance, which is you know it's hard to like just tell that to people and then be like, yeah, it's about like a docent, <laughs> um, <laughs> right? But uh, it's and then like all the stuff with Rogowski diving, like it just is so it's so simple. It's like they're just it's not like he's part of like this big crew or anything it's like three people they have this small barge he's just like doing like construction underwater and he sees big gunther the legend we have to talk about your man big gunther it's such a great thing of like who is you know clear a a slightly larger than average catfish it's a very big catfish it's slightly larger than average it says like two meters i think is like how big he is is Big Gunther like her dad? <laughs> like what? Like, I don't know all uh, of the. Like he's obviously there. There are he's moments, obviously moments got where like I was like, some, is it her? There's a connection. Is she there? Big yes. Gunther. Like But he obviously he, like because all the divers are shocked. Like he went right up to you. Like yeah. Like obviously he's like scoping them out. <laughs> is he like yeah. you're you're seeing? My I mean daughter. that is interesting. I don't I don't know, but I like that read. <laughs> like I do. I like mean I think I like... think it's clear. Like I mean again, this this withholds so much information. From yeah. You. Um, but I think it's obvious that he has some sort of. He's either like her dad or like some sea guardian or some <laughs> has some right. higher function. Um. Yeah. yeah. Uh huh. I do. I, mean, oh, I do have to say to our audience, you have just been big Gunther. Yeah. <laughs> you do need a big Gunther three of your friends, otherwise you'll <laughs> be murdered by Undina. <laughs> <You> yeah. Just... <laughs> um. This yeah. Is the to big Gunther thing is just like he's in the water and you see this massive catfish head come up and he's just like and like comes up <laughs> to the screen and it's so it's like. This is what the movie is because, like, when I was watching it the first for the first time, um, I was like, "Wow, this is crazy!" It's just like he's, you know, doing this, and there's this this giant catfish, and then he comes up and he's like, "I saw Big Gunther," and they're like, "No, you didn't!" And I'm like, "Big Gunther's the name of that catfish. That's so fun." It's such a um, funny movie. It's it's when, yeah, it's it's so light. When he's when he's singing. Oh, and he sings "Staying Alive." Oh, he sings alive. So good. It's, it's so good. Yeah, that's a good moment. She's like, "What was?" And what then were she's you like. Right, and she doesn't know the song at all, which is very funny. They don't yeah. have it in the in the water. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. And the Come bit of she's like, BG's "Revive so me fun. again," and he's like, "What if someone sees? I'll revive you at home." <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, like, it, it, it is just like this very like romantic movie. I think it's just like this these this love story and. Petzold is such like you know you talk about like the structure and like his sort of uh, formalism it's just like any of his movies I think I can just watch because they are all like gorgeous looking and then this one is like I could just watch it forever because it's, it's just so, like yeah I, it's it's notable that this is the only one of the three that's not set during a time of extreme yes. political like distress kind of there's no fascist takeover so it becomes much more like all the metaphors are still there like in the other just like the other two it's about i mean it is it's it's a story of a transformation like the other two and it's about sort of how do you go on after like a tragedy in this case it's a a breakup and yeah how you deal with the vaguer like 
ancient mm-hmm. elements of the story. But uh, it's all all of his trademark stuff is still there, and all the uh, architecture lectures are so it's almost uh, like parody kind of of a penciled <laughs> thing, where yeah. they're talking about you know like the how uh, these. Uh, uh, beloved ancient uh, German buildings were destroyed during the war, and then the uh, GDR was just like, we'll just rebuild the exact same right. well, buildings. Yeah, they're going to have different... Facade, yeah. They're going to have... Yeah, they keep saying the word facade a lot. They're going to look the exact same even if they're just museums now. They're just... And she talks about, well, if form follows function, then what's what's the meaning of this? Is Is it about how, like, progress is impossible you can't move on from the past um uh yeah and so all that stuff is there uh but yeah but on a pure surface level it's so enjoyable magical yeah it's, it's like so they're mute the they're mute explosion, yeah. it's so good it's just so yeah. fun um and then he like you know he pulls the glass out of her and he's like does this hurt it's such like a weird and then the guy comes in, he's like, you asshole! Oh, yeah. I <laughs> hope you have good insurance! <laughs> yeah. It's so funny. Right. And then she's banned. Um, from the, yeah, yeah, banned from the uh, from the bar. But he's just like, yeah, he's like, I saw your lecture, <laughs> like, I'm in love with you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, he comes off real strong. <laughs> but then he's like, oh, you don't you don't want to see me, that's He's fine. like, yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'll I'm sorry. leave. But then he um, destroys the fish. <laughs> he's like, go and bounces back into the bar. And like, breaks it's so it's so it's like yeah it's just so funny yeah um and then there's like you know there's the scene where they're walking and she sees like the ex-boy that's i think um, that's the best scene in the movie just um the the the, the, the way it keeps cutting and she like turns over the cat like them. over his shoulder yeah i think yeah. it's like what the poster is it's like yeah. just her looking yeah around. yeah it's a very that, effective shot i how like freaked out he gets like kind of bugs me a little bit like i feel like it's like who how Rogowski. Uh, Rogowski, like how much he like starts panicking over that one moment was like the moment where I was like a little less like. Well, I like... I think the way it's you mean in the phone call. When he like hangs up on her, he's like, "You said your heart stopped, and it was that guy." Like, right, and he's like, "Yeah, I sort of felt it, or whatever." Like, yeah, his re- sort of reaction to like. Well, I think the point is that it wasn't moment. him, right? Cause they, cause after when he goes to see her in the hospital, he's like, I talked to him on the phone, and she's like, No, he like went under like before the day yeah. before yesterday. You could not have talked to him. So I think the point was that it was like a fake phone. call. It was supposed to like push her to. It's a fantasy element. Finish the finish the job. Yeah, and I mean, like, I, I think that's of... the other th- like my other like issue with the movie is like I wanted it to like visually to be more of a like more fantasy, fantasy. yeah like, it I, withholds yeah. like i yeah. wanted it to be like more like effectsy and like to have like i don't know like yeah it, it, it's just like like when like you know towards the end when she like reveals herself underwater it's just like her underwater like there's nothing like yeah i get so, it yeah, but that's why it's so it's elegant in its simplicity Andy. yeah that's I, a yeah, pretty I, silly you, take, I, 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 I always want people to go bigger like i that's i mean yes like, like what it I want. could go big like it could be like ponyo like yeah um, <laughs> that sounds great bright colorful but it is like it's i yeah. mean yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh the barge is like rust orange um 
the scene. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Whatever, Andy. Go watch Ponyo. I'm glad (laughs) there's movies that aren't for Andy. Um... I'm not making a claim that every movie has to be for me, but, like, I'm allowed to articulate why it's not for me. No, that's that's fine. Um, Yeah, I mean, I also don't think... um... I think it looks fine. I think it has some good-looking moments. I also think... That's, I think, another thing with me and Petzl. I think his movies look fine. The digital, the like strong digital thing that a lot of European filmmakers do a lot of times just leaves me cold as hell, and I just can't really. I, I'm never. Yeah. I don't even need, think I need to be like impressed by it, but I, it never communicates anything that interesting for me except for like the ending. Yeah, I sort of always am feeling like I'm watching like a slightly better shot like Netflix thing. Like it just sort of has that feel to me. Okay. Um, you talk about the scene of them, like walking past each other, uh, as your favorite scene in the movie or the best scene in the movie. Uh, it is so great. Um, and but the, the block other needle drop too. I wanted. Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. All the, the the way he uses that song is like so good, and it's just a great piece of music. Um, and like her, like walking to her job after she's like just give me 30 minutes and like they're playing it it's um it's really good the um the stuff i love and it's just like part of the whole you know romance element of it is Rogowski always running next to the train it's like yes, such like it's a so slight touch cute. but yeah. it's just like yeah it's, it's it's that's a great word for it it is extremely cute that he's like I'm going to do this every time. I'm going to run by the train as you're leaving. And he's like, by the end, he's like doing it kind of ironically, but yeah. he's, yeah, it's, it's, it's so sweet, but also because it's like pet sold, it's never straining for sweetness. It's, yes. Yeah. It's just I, like, I guess it's universal. not as, yeah, it's not as distanced as his other movies. It's, I mean, it looks like a pet sold movie still, but it's more, maybe just because of the matter of what the story is. It feels more swooning, engaging with what it, what the, with the with the emotions but but uh without getting i guess you know andy mentioned we shouldn't i guess spoil too much uh because people haven't seen this um maybe no you know it's it's out now on it is out, anyone yeah, can um, watch it my favorite scene is when just the hard cut to him waking up in the hospital it's like it's just insane um i where he's just like you know is the gasp and then like instantly like screaming for yeah. her and then um wait so we can spoil or we can't i mean we can i just we can know, tweet we can because like, i want to yeah, talk about we'll, the scene we'll, before that we can put in the description and tweet out like just wait don't listen to the indian section until you've seen yeah. indian yeah i mean any of the movies don't listen or, to the section or i guess so yeah well yeah this is how you should run your podcast. Okay, um, we should edit all this. All this say your piece. <laughs> I think you need to edit out the Phoenix discussion. The <laughs> no, discussion. <it's> Daniel. <laughs> Just right. leave the my best friend Daniel, and then <laughs> <laughs> that's all you want. Um, yeah. Yes. After after she kills him in the pool at his house, in in um, his girlfriend's. Oh, his girlfriend's house is yeah. like I can't even though it's purely audio. I, I cannot look at the screen when when that because like, it's so <laughs> no I know I mean just the scream when uh, oh, when oh, yes, she's yes. yelling his name Johannes well, I I like it's too painful I <laughs> I have to look I have to close my eyes and just sort of look away yeah but yeah it's the hard cut to him at the hospital like I mean also just the stuff with the the little figurine where it's like 
she knocks it off the desk and the leg breaks off and then it's like his leg got caught and like he has been he didn't get enough oxygen and he's brain dead it's like yeah. And it's very transparent about its themes. It's like when she glues yeah. it, and he's like, wow, looks just like new. It's like it was never broken. It's like, yeah, yeah that's that's it's talking about her relationship after finding Rogowski. But it, it all works. It's all, I for me, that's like the achievement of Petzold is that it's so studied and has all these symbols and motifs. and But it never becomes... It never overwhelms it with just like, oh, look how smart this is with all the yeah. with all my symbols and like appreciate how smart I am for constructing all of this. I'm always it's it's this very delicate balance. I'm always swept up in sort of his emotions, as yeah. uh, uh, mollified as they may be. Um, and then like just the shot, like they do it twice where he walks in the water. But when she walks in the water after he wakes up, and it's just, like, her walking, uh, and it just, you know, follows her all the way, um, is great. And then, like, the two years later thing um, is really sweet. And he's really sweet with uh, the the other woman. Like, when he's, like, listening to her stomach, he's like, I can hear it. And she's like, no, you can't. Like, stop. Like, mm-hmm. uh, and, uh, but then he just, you know, he can't beat it. And, like, they... When he's, like, in bed with her, it's, like, a, it's just another, like, I think a great shot of him just, like, there. And you sort of, like, hear, uh, it's, like, the sort of watery noises. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then um, he has to, like, walk in the lake, and he comes back with a figurine. It's so beautiful. I mean, the last scene, kill I, I, I'm on the verge of tears at that point. It's so beautiful when... Oh, and it finally, because it doesn't show that he has the figurine in his hand until after he yeah. hugs his, I assume, wife again. Um, and then it shows that he has the figurine in his hand, and it, the Bach piece starts playing again, and they just walk off. And then it does the Undine POV shot, just lowering yeah. back into the water in so, Fate to Black. It's just, so good. it's just so... It's so simple. It's so much, but it's so simple. Yeah. Um, and we talked about this sort of phenomenon a little bit when we talked about Claire Denis last month. Um, of, like... And this is, like, a very, like, boring thing, I think, for me to say at this point. But, like... Good thing you prefaced said, it like, with Bo that. Dervai... <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> so now you can't complain about it, listeners. You're not allowed to complain that Colin Yes, uh, this is... Yeah. Where, like... I'm Bo sure Dervai, you get it a lot. Um, let me finish. <laughs> <laughs> where Bo Dervai, I think, is, like... You know, or, you know, we talk about this with, I think you should leave. You know, the focus group said, <laughs> you can't beat it. It's the best piece of written comedy in the past 10 years. Uh, so when you, like, are saying what your favorite is, you can't say that. Because it's like, of course, that's the best one. Same with Botrevi. Yeah, same okay. with Transit. Where, like, Transit, <laughs> I feel, is, like, one of the best movies ever made. And, like... Really I, alienating me with this entire I, I must admit, you're alienating me too. Thin. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Undina, I'm like, this movie has, like, it has my whole heart. Like, I just love it so much. It's so, like, mm-hmm. swift and romantic and beautiful that I'm like, this is my favorite, if not for Transit, which is like, just I like like a, a essentially perfect movie. I think yeah, it's and such like a, the yeah. same with Friday Night and the same with the Skeleton Money sketch. And I think you should leave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
meat? Were you going to say, Jesse? No, I was just basically agreeing yeah. with Kelly. I mean, I was going to say, I like this movie. It's like, out of all of them, this is the one I for sure connected with the most. I think the romance angle is simple. I think beer is very good in it, and I think that is why I connect with it more than the other ones, because they're, they're, she just, like, can communicate a lot in her eye. I mean, Rogowski's also good, but I think they can both, like, I think they have... It's hard to say, but I think directors like with Petzl, I can find their mo- the acting in their movies a little marionette in which that like I can always like feel the strings being pulled as to like where where mm-hmm. like transit. I can always feel like, well, this is where Rogowski needs to feel now. And like whether or not he's doing it well, like I think he is doing it well because he's a talented actor. I can still like there's still a detachment to me because I feel can feel the strings being pulled and like i think undine has the least of that of just like there are moments that feel genuine and romantic it's sweeping in it and i think the ending of it is great so i do really connect with it but there is he's a very artificial filmmaker and this has the most like moments that feel spontaneous kind of in the room yeah that's that's a very good way of putting it i'll say yeah i agree with that like the staying alive stuff doesn't feel like, uh, yes. like a uh, a perfect construction. <laughs> I mean, but it is like that's like the thing of when they teach you CPR. It's like the rhythm yeah, you want yeah. is staying alive, and it's just like such a great touch of he has to like sing it to remember it, and, and he's like he in such like, distress. Yeah, and then right. he like finds that endearing. It's so Undine. This is classic Undine. Yeah. <laughs> Undina, all in all, we rate Undine a classic Undine, and Phoenix in Transit not a this classic. Five Big Gunther's out of five. Yeah, I also say Big Gunther barely remembered it. He's in the movie. He's oh, not in it much. Yeah, <laughs> he's like, he's really speaking of marionettes, he's the puppeteer. He's the one yeah, controlling. It all goes to the top. <laughs> it all goes to Gunther. I mean, it, he's it, the it, one it, controlling it. This podcast wouldn't happen without Big Gunther. I guess actually. Okay. Colin, what other movie would you most want Big Gunther to be in? Ponyo. <laughs> That's Wait, I feel like you would get lost in Ponyo. There's no. too many other things in Ponyo. Yeah. I want him to be the mom, yeah. though. Or do you... Oh, I was going to say, <laughs> what about the Liam Neeson character? If, no, no, if we're no. going back to, be... to the... I want it to be... To the dad. No, uh... Sasuke's I'm, yeah. mom, the human mom. Okay. I just want it to be Big Gunther. Big my, Gunther. My, my pitch is make Big Gunther the next Mission Impossible villain. I mean, mm, look. That's ooh, that's a good idea. I don't I'm going to cut that out so we can <laughs> yes. sell it to Chris McQuarrie. Okay, um. okay. Hear me out. What if Big Gunther was a Mission Impossible villain? Now that you cut the other one out. <laughs> yeah, perfect. Uh, yeah. Uh, What's well, this? I'm the best guest you've ever had? I can't help but feel that we've gotten off track. What? <laughs> I feel like we're about to wrap up, unless anyone else has anything to say about it. I mean, call it... Colin, the uh, Christian Petzl of this podcast, doesn't want it to get off track. Everything has to go according to his vision. There's no humanity to be fine. Yeah. No jokes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, the only other things I would have to say about this are just repeating more scenes I think are lovely. Sure, like, right. Like, sitting yeah. at the train station, <laughs> and he falls asleep, and she's like, I, he was like I, I just closed my eyes, and she's like, no, you... You've been. How long do you think you've been asleep? And she's like, he's like five, six. By the way, I love you. Ten. And she's like, yeah. no, you've been asleep for twenty-five minutes. I can just recite other it's scenes so like that from memory. But it's yeah, it's so, it's so sweet and never saccharine. But like, it makes, 
it makes my heart want to burst. It's so exactly. It's so lovely. Yeah. It's it's a, I think it's a really exciting direction for him to yeah. go in. I think. Yeah. I mean, I, I, for all I've said about him, it opens up more. Yeah, for all I've said about him, I think like he's clearly talented, and Undine like sort of proves for me that I think he can do something that's a little like more. I don't want to say emotionally resonant, really. I just, it's just like a little more sweeping, a little more like open-hearted. open-hearted yeah, I and think. that yeah. I think that is an exciting direction for his career to go because I think it is. Yeah, I think right. if he's making uh, more movies in concert with this one, that is. Yeah, that's if he can do more things that tackle like this, that tackle the themes he usually deals with, but don't always have to be during, you know. Uh, uh, 1980s Germany yeah. or and, and I mean even Germany <laughs> or... even like Transit if like he if even if he goes back to making stuff like Transit but I can feel a little bit more of the open heart then I think that that would be again an interesting direction and I think I would respond to it more because it's like all of the like yeah. tiny moments of like funny humanity that you talk about Rogowski and, and like sort of beer having in Undine is maybe sort of what I miss in Transit where where you talk yeah. about like Rigowski being animalistic, but it that for me just carries throughout the entire movie. Because also I think like what that entire arc is doing, I also think feel like I've seen in other stuff be a little more open-hearted, and maybe I've connected with it more than in yeah. other movies. Like, like yeah. there is a there's like a certain like thing about movies like these that I sometimes sort of balk at, and it's like a thing that I talked about, like, not to go back to a movie I mentioned too much on this podcast, but it's Fireworks, the fucking Takeshi Kitano movie, of just, like, sometimes it feels <laughs> to me like movies are doing, like, a 15-step mathematical proof to get to, like, 2 equal, two plus 2 equals 4, where it's just, like, <laughs> you're, you're, like, giving yeah. me everything to arrive at, like, a pretty simple conclusion that I could have gotten in many other ways. But there's some people who enjoy, like, going through the paces of that and i appreciate that that it's just not for me sometimes sometimes you need the piano axioms sure yeah he seems to be moving away i think from a less like purely theoretical kind of like all his like his movies before transit are sort of like yellow is him remaking carnival of souls uh, though he says that was like he didn't think about that at all, but it's like a very direct thing. And then Phoenix is his vertigo kind of, and that's that seems to be almost uh, one of his starting points, which is like, what if I do vertigo but this, or uh, adding a wrinkle to it. And Undine especially feels to me like it, it's not what if I do this but like this. It feels like a more self-contained less openly referential thing maybe or it's it, it feels less like a thesis paper kind of on ideas and more of like a a lovely character piece for sure and i think with that yeah and with that right. uh daniel what would you like to plug uh i'll plug my letterbox page follow me <laughs> Daniel Foster on letterbox.com. There's some great content there. Always a joy. Um, uh, I think I have to say this every time I'm on here. Watch Happy Feet 2. One of the masterpieces of the century. Um, Yeah. 
and I have one request, which is stay cool. Very okay. cool. Very like I, I thank you for implying that I am cool. Right. I was talking to your audience, but but thanks. <laughs> I'm gonna interpret it in my way. Okay. Uh you can follow us on Twitter at can I kick it. You can follow us on Letterboxd at CIKIPod. You can follow me on either of those platforms at JP Glickweber. Uh, I feel like I had something really important to plug. I mean, I, I would love to be able to plug uh, the Instagram live where I eat a carton of strawberries, but that already happened. Uh, and you died from it. <laughs> Are you able to archive those, or will it only be live? You're a Petzoldian ghost Oh, yeah. Right I... I, I don't know. I've never done an Instagram live. Uh, if if uh, I manage to archive it, maybe you can find it on my Instagram, which is also JP Glickweber. Or maybe I'll make it a weekly show. We'll see. Cool. <laughs> Andy. <laughs> Great. Uh, I'm Andy. Uh, my social media <laughs> handle is Andy T. Germ. A-N-D-Y-T-G-E-R. M, uh, if you like the show and the sort of things that we do and want to say good job, a great way to do that is to send us money uh, through coffee, ko-fi.com slash canai, C-A-N-N-E-S-I. Uh, always greatly appreciated, uh, no matter how much it is. Um, the plug I have is nothing. Cullen. Uh, yeah, I'm Clackley on everything, C-L-A-T-C-H-L-E-Y. Uh, Christian Petzold cites Den of Thieves as one of his favorite movies of uh, recent times, so I watched it, and it's uh, really solid. Emilio. <laughs> you can follow me on Letterboxd at I Laugh Alone. Follow me nowhere else. That is all I have to say. <laughs> I'll... No, you also want to yeah, our plug theme our theme song. Related. You can find him at soundcloud.com slash tree-related or search tree-related on Spotify. He makes good music. Great. Then now, I can release our audience. Bye. 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 Well, we know where we're going, but we